On this episode of Dear Future CRO, we talk to Carolyn Henry, Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of Intel Corporation. Carolyn shares her thoughts on access to sponsorship for women and people of color and the importance of creating structured sponsorship targeted for those groups specifically. Hi and welcome to another episode of Dear Future CRO. I am joined by my formidable co-host, CEO and founder of GrowthQ, Esther Iamu. Hi, Esther. Hey, Kieran. So excited to be here with you. Great to see you as always. And Esther and I are thrilled to be joined by Carolyn Henry today. Carolyn is VP CMO of America's Regional Marketing at Intel Corporation. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you both. It's my absolute pleasure. So, uh, Carolyn, we're so thrilled to have you on board. Um, you've had, and you are in, you know, still proceeding with a very illustrious career. I guess a really good and exciting place to start, Carolyn, would be if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do and share your journey with us. Sure, I'd love to. So I have the great good fortune to lead an amazing group of marketers in our regional sales group at Intel. So for um, the Americas, we include Canada, the US, Latin America, which is uh, Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, Peru. And it's such a wonderful, vibrant region. And the professionals I get to work with every day really hone their craft. They are at the edge of their game. And it's just such an honor to to lead this group of about 60 odd marketers who are working across every business unit, every segment that we have at Intel. So it's a wide portfolio, it's deep and broad, and it um, keeps me on my toes every day. So that's what I'm currently doing. That's incredible. I work with Esther um, on a, a board and, and we work in the Silicon Valley Education Foundation. And I, I bring this up because I like to share with those folks that I'm an unlikely techie, right? I came to technology and STEM late in my career, late in college and into graduate work. And I still have had this wonderful career in the space. So I say that to kind of loosen up a little bit of the, the um, stigma or the lack of confidence that some of our young women or folks who aren't you know, used to this track so that they can approach it in a different way. So I, um, undergraduate, I studied English and Spanish, right? Liberal arts, very um, <laughs> you know, predictable uh, for a woman at that time. And then I um, found myself working for a venture capital firm in Boston um, at the time, and I, I was watching the technology companies come through, and I thought to myself, hey, I get this. I was watching the types of people that were in the rooms, predominantly male, and I was thinking, hmm, what about that, right? And then I thought, you know, how can I put my skills and communication together with this burgeoning love and interest in technology and make a career out of that? So um, I went back to school, did some graduate work in technical communications. And that's where I really married it with the chops I felt I needed to be taken seriously and enter the technology space. Um, and it was a wonderful program. So um, they focused very heavily on co-ops and practical experience. I moved to IBM um, from there and spent 15 years of my career um, really learning and growing and taking everything that that large company would offer. And so I managed teams of technical writers. I wrote technical um, user interfaces for the mainframe. <laughs> I did a lot in software and then um, shifted into more customer facing roles when I was able to get out 
um, with my sales partners and do demos. So I was the one charged with doing the demo in Germany or doing the demo in South Africa and traveling the world and going on these sales calls, which is where it all became real for me. And it just kind of lit up, right? And I said, oh, this is amazing. This is where I want to be. This, you know, I don't want to be in the ivory tower so much anymore. I want to be on the front lines with my selling partners. And um, so my career really took off from there once I found that passion in mix. I love it. You bring up such an important point um, that our listeners really, we talk about often, right? Sellers know there is this ecosystem of relationships within a company that are all focused on helping the customer. And the marketing relationship is a really important one. Um, and I'd love for, to hear your feedback specifically on how important it is for both sides. So what, what things to do from a marketing perspective and things to do um, for that relationship on the sales side as well. Oh, I love this, Esther. And it's really near and dear to my heart because I think when it works well, we can have, you know, magic and growth and all of that, you know, uh, you know, the catalyst that we're all looking for. Right. And when it doesn't work well, you know, things kind of tend to fall apart and, you know, we're not we're not taking the best of what either of us can bring to the discipline. So, you know, I feel that marketers um, need to have so much empathy for our sales partners on the front lines. And that's what I really got a taste of in that experience I was trying to share with you all. We cannot leave you with so-so value props or collateral that isn't going to work, right? <laughs> we need to understand, you know, what you're up against and um, arm you to be on the front lines in the appropriate way. And I take that as, you know, job one for, for our marketers. We also need... Um, to show up and be owners of our discipline and have that give and take, right? So if we we shift too far to short-term sales goals or demand gen, right, the strategic marketing engine and the full funnel approach will get wonky, right? For lack of a better term, we won't have the most productive results. And you that's when you really need to have that um, pull and take and that trust across professionals to say, hey, you know, yes, we have a short term demand issue. Yes, we need to get, you know, inventory out, we need to make the quarter. And also, we need to keep our eyes on the long term goals that marketing a strategic marketing partner can really keep an eye on for you. Um. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that for the marketers, right? Making sure that marketers, they're our business partners. Uh, they're the selling, the seller's business partners. They've got to make sure um, we are armed. They've got to make sure we have um, what we need to be on the front lines as best as possible. And that, you know, we, we need owners uh, alongside us, right? And the, truly the best marketers do all three of those things. Um, I'd love your guidance on what the sellers should also do to better arm uh, marketers to be at their best game to help them help us. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's a partnership. And I don't think I would have the perspective I do have today if my selling partners didn't bring me into that process or didn't allow me a seat at that table, right, to understand and to, to really learn and develop that muscle. Uh, just to go back a little bit, Carolyn, it was really interesting to hear how you kind of found this path. Can I ask what's made you stay? What's made you stay in this course and in this space and in this world? Oh, that's a fantastic question. And I think 
it is the breadth of the marketing discipline, really, that's kept me interested in so long, right? There's digital and analytics, and there's a whole e-commerce wing of marketing. I, I'm picturing myself in the middle and several prongs going around in a circle, and you can just rotate and hone your craft in each one of those areas, right? There's brand, there's creative, that that whole area is just so exciting and to be a purpose-driven brand and connect with audiences and different generations it's just all of this alchemy that I, I truly truly love and then you know I, I really started in the product space right so how do you define the so what or the what's in it for me or you know the value that you can bring in a in a clear and concise way that doesn't you know lose sight of the pride you have in the technology but also doesn't mire in the speeds and feeds right and then you know there's just so much around that marketing wheel that um, there is to learn. So that that kept me very interested for at least a decade. And then, you know, um, leadership within that. And then, you know, working as a business partner to executive leadership teams or to, you know, um, sales owners. There's so much to learn in the space. I, it's just really kept me happy for many, many years. That's incredible. That's incredible. Are you, you know, I'd love to get your perspectives on what you're seeing, um, what you're seeing evolve with our customers. So what you're seeing our customers evolve and what they're expecting from us um, in the market. Just continuing that theme, Carolyn, about the experience, the experience of being in this space. I mean, obviously, it comes with so many challenges and, and difficulties, both professionally and personally. Can I ask you what, in your opinion, the role is of mentoring? I mean, has that had an impact on you in, individually, either as a mentee or, or, or as a mentor? What's your, your view on that? This is a huge subject. And yes, I have been the beneficiary of mentoring. I, I don't think we can get almost anywhere without, you know, folks in our corner and folks giving us advice and that, you know, either a one-on-one -on -one relationship that's going to give you the real skinny, right, about how you're showing up and um, what might be detractors or things that you could work on and also things that you can lean into, right? We spend a lot of time working on our, our weaknesses, but we might need to spend more time working on our strengths, right? So I think that I had the wonderful fortune of having male and female mentors early in my career. Um, I was able to spend gobs and gobs of time with them. I think back now and think, oh my gosh, how grateful I am to those folks to invest in me that way, um, to really just help me navigate a corporate enterprise, to help me navigate, you know, trying to lead uh, without influence or title, right? Trying to make an impact and push projects forward and, you know, just navigating all of that. Um, and then I think as a mentor, it's really on us who have been able to to rise or learn something right along the way to share it with others. Um, I am a little bit of an activist in this regard, right? I think we we know that there aren't enough women in tech. We know that the numbers should be better, right? So measure them, focus on them. You know, Intel does a wonderful job of working on our underrepresented minorities and females in tech. And also it's not good enough, right? So I can, I can be a, very, a pretty much of a um, activist in this area. Area. And the way I think we can do that most tangibly is to mentor others, help them bring bring them up the ladder together, and work on those stats. Right. So we have you know 90 percent 
engineering and technical roles at Intel. 25% of those are female women leaders right now, and only 18 or 20% of those rise to senior leadership roles. Those stats, that's not good enough, right? But um, we, we take it so much to heart. It is not a campaign. It's a way we do business. So I'm, I'm very proud of the work that Intel and all of us female leaders are trying to do together in the area of mentorship and um, sponsorship and, and really looking at programs to be able to do this at, at scale. I love this. You bring up a really good point for um, a piece that's that's important to Kieran and I, which is mentorship, very important. Sponsorship, different. Yeah. And sponsorship is, is less of um, imparting on the person. Yeah. Sponsorship is really placing them in opportunities or speaking of them when they're not in the room to open up doors uh, for opportunities they would not open up doors for them they would not have access to open. Are you in sales or looking to start a career in sales? Join our community at growth.co. For those looking to hire, let us help you build your talent bench. Create a profile at growthq.co. Um, I love your perspective on maybe an area where you receive sponsorship and how you could, um, from your perspective, how you think leaders should normalize uh, sponsorship or how it can become more normalized. Yeah, I think that's a great area to dig into, Esther. And, you know, sometimes you might feel like, oh, sponsorship, that might not be fair or this, this, this there's a, a fairness and an equity discussion around that. But really, um, your skills, your track record is speaking for itself. And as a marketer, I take this, you know, as par for the course, right? I create a brand. I create a brand for myself. I create a brand for the what I can bring to the company and to those leaders. And in a sponsorship situation, it's working, right? <laughs> so there's a level of you earned it underneath there. <laughs> and I don't want anyone to you know, take that away. And then also, I think that to make the systemic and programmatic change, we can't do one on one, right? It's just never going to scale. Um, and, I, and I think that as a more senior leader coming into a company where, you know, the culture is entrenched, you know, we face this in many areas, right? They want what you have, right? They want your leadership. They want your um, outside in perspective. And then you get in and the antibodies can kind of um, begin, right? Or the antibodies can can attack. And that's when it's on the the more senior leaders to give that person a place at the table, to give that person a voice, to not throw them in the deep end without floaties, right? And that's, I think, where a lot of the sponsorship discussion is happening um, because, you know, the middle... Um, middle of our careers, right, is where a lot of our female leaders are getting stuck and cycling out. And, you know, we're, we're never going to be able to get that percentage up at the C-suite level uh, without focusing on this middle and really trying to track people up. I don't know if that helps, Esther, but those are a few ideas. No, it's, it's a great answer. Um, I'd love to get perspective on a personal story for you on where you received sponsorship um, and, and that really made the, what really made a difference in your career. Yes. Well, um, I think it comes in all the unlikely places, right? So uh, I have a, a wonderful woman in my network who has spoken on my behalf in a, 
a number of situations that really surprised me, right? So um, maybe one or two interactions at a software company, she sees me, we have, you know, a connection over dinner. And then I find out six months later, she's putting my name forward for um, a, a senior director role at a totally different company, right? A year or two years later, she is thinking of me for a CMO role, right? And it's it's amazing that power of your network. And, and, I, and I just think it's something that I take very seriously that I will remember to do for others, right? <laughs> it's to speak their names in the rooms where they are not and to afford those opportunities at all possible. So um, that's one amazing woman in my network working on that. <laughs> to, to the companies out there, Carolyn, that, that are wanting to do more from a sponsorship perspective, what tangible steps, in your opinion, do you think companies and individuals can do to really normalize sponsorship? Well, I think um, a lot of companies are looking into skills-based hiring, into, um, you know, just measurement, right? It's really just measuring the problem and holding themselves accountable year over year is such a step right? That, that we absolutely need to take. And then if you look at the disparity between your numbers, right? So, hey, we've got 20%, we got to get to 50%, right? Or as a goal or, you know, 30% by 2030. Um, those numbers become frighteningly clear. So, you know, the only way to do so is to have a programmatic strategic hiring approach, right? And I think that this, this comes part and parcel with that. It makes complete sense. Um, you know, trying to somewhat wing it uh, only gets a lot harder. And then, you know, there's discouragement from that, right? So having more of a structured approach really allows for the heart to come through, but the entire system to then support the heart coming through and wanting to do the right thing. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um, question for you, does your, um, does your organization, um, do you, talk to me about... Um, Intel's evolution around um, diverse interview panels. Um, and in Intel's been the kind of the figurehead of really making this public. Um, and I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, your, on the organization's focus on diverse interview panels and, and how, that's, how that's kind of evolved over time and, and um, Lenny Learnings. Yes, I think it is a great history that we're stepping into until really does pride itself to be at the forefront, to be equitable, to be the most, um, the company recognized for integrity. Um, and it, it does show in every aspect of our business. And I think also we are a business of engineers. So we like to measure things. We like a data-driven approach. And it, I think that takes that can take some of the unconscious bias out of the interview process. We do require that we have um, diverse panels, whether that's gender, representation, different race, et cetera, at the hiring process. We do require a diverse pipeline of candidates, right, which is um, a lot of work uh, and a wonderful work that we're doing. And then um, in terms of just the brass tacks of interviewing, right, we must have a, you know, very objective spreadsheet, right? And there is there is a scoring and there is, you know, some some area for notes, but there's some of that um, level setting that happens when you have a panel of seven or eight folks interviewing on specific vectors and giving a score, right? And it, it can take some of that um, fit, I'm using quotes, right? You can see me on video, right? Like fit language out of the discussion and it can be a lot more grounded. This is something that Esther and I have discussed 
Caroline, really keen to hear your thoughts on how, what's the relationship between uh, diverse interview panels, for example, and the ability to scale a business? How closely linked are those two? Oh, I think they're getting more and more closely linked. And I think the data is showing us, right? It's not just a good idea. It's not just altruism. It's good business, right? So in order to make sure that you're growing your revenues, companies with diverse leadership um, do exponentially better, right? Companies with um, different representation have better products in the market, right? They're reaching a different audience. It, it's just on so many levels, we are now you know, very clear that it is <laughs> helpful to the bottom line, as well as to our ethical line. 100%, 100%. Um, can, can I ask uh, to pivot the conversation a little bit? Um, <clears throat> a question that often gets asked is, you know, great, I get great sponsorship, great, I've been mentored, um, my team really focuses on structural programs to really help uh, make it to where the best of the best and the most diverse team comes together. Um, but an additional uh, subject that comes up is the aspect of job rotations and really um, helping impact careers from seeing different perspectives. Can you share from your perspective where you've seen you know, structured job rotations or stretch assignments um, whether it be within a company or external to a company, really impact your career? Yes, yes, this is great. And I think um, at Intel, we have a wonderful sales and marketing rotation program, and it's very well thought through, and it's been around for at least a decade. And I think it really affords the um, up-and-coming folks that ability to look across a breadth of businesses, and it's invaluable. Right. And I, I shared a little bit in the beginning about how that experience doing demos with my selling partners really opened up an entirely different career track for me in marketing. Right. So it's just so wonderful for a career to see where, where something lights you up like that. And then for me personally, I think the stretch assignments are also so valuable. And I, my career has absolutely taken off from some of these. Right. So where you have to lead without influence or without the title or without the team, and you have to move a mission forward. And I'm, I'm just remembering way back, way back, that's gonna make me sound like such a geek, but I was doing this, uh, did a XML trans, transition with IBM, and we were moving all of our manuals from one coding language to another. And you know, I was probably two years in and leading the entire group of 300 folks in this transition, you know, myself and others, but that was an absolute stretch assignment and it, it gives you visibility. It gives you um, some of the leadership chops. It, it identifies what you do and do not like about leadership real fast. <laughs> and then it can give you, you know, open up many, many other doors. So um, it, uh, formal rotation programs, amazing. I think we should be investing in those. And also just please raise your hand. And if you have the bandwidth, if you think you want to get from point A to point B, look at those stretch assignments as a way to, to push yourself and maybe accelerate that, that pace. That's great advice. I mean, I, I know that our view is uh, that's certainly going to resonate with them massively. Thank you for sharing, Carolyn. You're very welcome. All right, Carolyn, we love to ask this question for our listeners because all of our listeners paying attention or listening and watching us today are, you know, they're the future revenue leaders of our world. And um, 
this entire reason why we do this is to give them the resources and give them the visibility into leaders like yourself. And so I'd love to ask from your perspective, um, if you could finish this sentence, dear future CRO, and what would be that advice or love letter you would share for that future revenue leader? Oh, that's a great one, Esther. I think for me, dear future CRO, please rise before you think you're ready. Just go. You know more than you think. You are more capable. If you've got a five-year timeline, cut it in half, right? See what you can do and spread your wings. We can't wait to watch you do it. Oh my God, I just got chills. Love it. <laughs> I love that it. That was phenomenal. Carolyn, this was incredible. What a great conversation. I took so many notes, my goodness, um, from the importance of what marketers can do in the relationship with sellers and what sellers can do to bring marketers to the table to help them help you um, to really understanding the full wheel of, of marketing. It's more um, than, than we might think from the digital to the analytics to brand to product marketing to creative um, it was really, really important for our listeners to hear that perspective and also to understand the importance of, mar- of mentor- uh, excuse me, mentorship as well as sponsorship. And particularly with sponsorship in knowing the role of us as individuals, right, that we have to earn it with building our brand, doing the work and infiltrating that throughout our network. But the importance of the sponsor to create a structured process where it won't scale. And then lastly, so appreciate you sharing all the big wins and the things that Intel is doing. We talk about Intel all the time at being the pioneer of implementing diverse interview panels and structurally putting them together and sharing that with the market to get their peers following the same suit. Um, And it's so great to hear the numbers of how um, the company has really continued to evolve and lead the way and in putting in programs like the sales and marketing rotation program that if you're looking for roles and you're thinking about Intel, it's a great, great opportunity for you um, to take advantage of a rotation program. So huge thank you, Carolyn. This is incredible. Absolutely. My pleasure. And now I've made marketing evangelists of you all. So uh, (laughs) my job is done. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much to our viewers and listeners today for tuning in. A huge thank you to Carolyn for sharing her journey. And of course, thank you again to my wonderful co-host, Esther. We hope you will like and subscribe and we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then.